One of the chief criticisms of the early childhood education funding system is that despite record levels of government spending, some families are still not getting involved. Those families are often the ones whose children most need the educational and behavioural benefits of good preschool education. This Radio New Zealand Insight looks at what the government is doing to reach those people. This year, about 3,000 children will start school without the benefit of any early childhood education. It's a figure that worries the government, and it's spending more than $90 million over four years to tackle the problem. Most of that money's being spent here, in South Auckland, where 16% of children start school without first going to a creche, kindergarten or play centre. I'm John Gerritsen, and I'm here to find out what the government is doing to encourage more families to get their children involved in early childhood education, and how well it's going. But how important is early childhood education? My first stop is the new entrant classroom at Manurewa East Primary School, where teacher Rena Cole sees firsthand the difference between children who have had early childhood education and those who have not. See these kids sitting on the mat here, being read to? How many of these children have had early childhood education before they came here? If I look at the statistics before, we had very few children go to preschool, but as time has gone, it has improved, and this year I would say half of them have been to preschool. Nationally, the figure is 95% go to preschool before they get here. So what, what, what's the difference do you see between the children who have been to preschool and those who, those who haven't? The children who have been to preschool are more settled when they come to school. They don't have that separation anxiety when they separate from their caregivers. And they're more settled, they're more confident, they have more social skills developed. They're able to share, they've got good self-management skills, whereas children who do not have any preschool experience, it's a new world for them. It takes them months to settle in. They'll cry for weeks. They don't know why they're here. It's hard for them as well as it's disruptive to other children. It's quite draining on the teacher too and the other children because some children are ready to learn, but here's someone who's still learning what school is about. So it puts a lot of pressure on the teacher and other learners. And how long does it take them to catch up? It depends on the child. Some children will catch up in like six weeks. Some will catch up in two terms. Some may take even longer than that if they had no preschool. It all depends how developed they are, mentally, socially and physically. The government's figures put the rate of non-attendance in South Auckland at about 16%, but in some areas, such as Manurewa East, the rate is much worse. The situation is more extreme for Māori and Pacifica children, with about 20% of those living in South Auckland not going to any early childhood education before school. Those working in the sector fear the figures are actually higher, with some people too embarrassed to admit their child has had no early childhood education, while for others the experience amounted to only a few days or weeks. So why do some children miss out? Susan Warren is the Chief Executive of the City of Manukau Education Trust, or Comet, an organisation set up to improve education in South Auckland. She says transport and money are barriers, and in some areas there are simply not enough early childhood centres or ECEs. The ECEs that people in, who live there have access to that don't charge fees, that are welcoming to locals, 
and that aren't clogged with wealthier people from outside town, they're very few and far between and um, if you don't have a car, it's not always easy to get to them. Even when there are enough early learning centres, they're often not the sort that people want and some really want to be able to be with their child. They don't want to leave their child with a stranger. Now that kind of less formal, maybe a playgroup type setting, isn't there in a lot of areas. There's a lot of people who really want language centres, so Samoan or Tongan or Cook Island or Māori, and again, some areas are really well served with those sorts of centres and others aren't. One of the um, issues that the surveys often come up with is people not feeling welcome. So it's very scary to walk into a centre and not know really what early childhood learning is all about and then also to be faced with people who don't look like me, who don't speak my language, who don't smile when I come in. All of those little things actually are huge barriers and if you, the first time you walk in you don't get those things then you won't be walking in again. So with availability, cost and unease about getting involved all posing possible barriers, some children end up missing out. The government is now nearly halfway through its four-year programme aimed at tackling the problem. It's spending $18 million on projects expected to increase participation in early childhood education and $72 million for the subsidies those children will attract once they're in the system. One of the approaches funded in this way is providing 29 supported playgroups, 25 in South Auckland and Tamaki, with the remainder in Kawaro, Huntley and Whangarei. The Good Seed Trust is one of the organisations contracted to provide playgroups, and I went to visit its general manager. I'm Grace Akiwa, I'm the general manager of the Good Seed Trust. We run under this contract, uh, the supported playgroup pilot, seven. Across all our seven playgroups, there's about 50 families enrolled. I'm in the Papatoetoe Panthers Rugby League Club, which is where one of the playgroups run by the Good Seed Trust is housed. It's set up with blocks and toys, jigsaw puzzles, but none of the parents have turned up. There's a light drizzle outside and the only child here is uh, son of a staff member and there's a coordinator, Stephanie, but no one's turned up yet. Well, one person's turned up. What's happening here, Grace? Probably because it's raining. Most of the families walk and so if it's slightly wet or drizzly then um, they don't come because who wants to get wet? How many kids do you have in, or families do you have enrolled in each playgroup and how many turn up typically? At the moment we've got probably um, averaging about 10 to 12 kids enrolled on most of our playgroups and we have um, nine across Mangari, Papatoi and Otahu. Nine playgroups? Yeah, different contracts of the ministry. How many of the families turn up each day? Looking at the data for the last couple of weeks, we've averaged about probably half the parents on different days. So we might have 20 kids enrolled and each day there might be half of them or less and them might turn up. Yeah, so it's not like all 20 turn up on the same day. That low rate of attendance raises questions about the educational input children get from the playgroups. But Grace Akiua says the playgroups fill an important gap for children too young to attract the government's 20-hour subsidy. The free early childhood f slips in at three, so between zero and three, if you have a, um, a playgroup or somewhere that's free, you can access it and doesn't cost you much in your money, it just costs you in your time. And, uh, and the, the reason that we got into it is because we think that it's a way for family members to spend time together, learn with their children, empower the parents to just learn how to play with their kids and just to help the whole family. And, and if it wasn't for your playgroups, what would these families be doing instead? A lot of them would just be at home. 
okay. watching TV, you know, doing their washing, doing their cooking, but not maybe not interacting as much with their children as they could be, or because you know when you're at home you just sort of work alongside them. By 10 o'clock, there are two parents and four children at the playgroup, including Rose Mylau and her 11-month-old Annabelle and two-year-old Isaiah, who told me why they come. Well, it's local and it's free. And, I mean, if we didn't have this, we would be doing nothing. We would be at home. So, yeah, I just felt like it was time to get out of the house. <laughs> And, and look, why would you be doing nothing? Is there just nothing else on offer in your area? No, like nothing for free, that's for sure. It's, and daycare is too expensive, and I have a three-year-old that's in daycare. So, I mean, to pay for two more would be too much. What do you and the kids get out of this? My gosh, um, new friends, that's for sure. And my kids being able to socialise. My older one, he's three. He didn't um, have playgroup till last year, end of last year. Before then, he was just real anti. He didn't really know how to communicate with kids, and then... Coming here, it made it easier for him to move on to daycare and make new friends. Another of the Good Seed Trust playgroups runs in a small room at St John's Church at Hunter's Corner, Papatoitoi. Lisa Farmoana started here as a mother and became the coordinator last year. I brought my kids here because I had nothing to do at home and... And when I did bring them here, my oldest daughter did not know how to speak at all. So she came here and then she started to talk. Then my second one now, she knows how to talk as well. So they pick up really fast because they're around their age group. So it's really good. The, the thing that made me catch it was that it was free because it's really hard for me flow income, just my husband working. And it's something for me, what's good for me because I get to meet other parents as well that are more experienced than me so I get to, we get to learn off each other as well so as the kids are learning as well. Most of my parents are single mums yeah, and they find that here it's a good place for them to come because it's free for them. Kashawni Sharma says this playgroup is the only option for her one and a half year old Shiv. Because it's way too expensive to go anywhere else you know with kids like it's not cheap. <laughs> um, if you do go somewhere it's usually $40-$50 a week and it's just way too much and over here like the kids get free play they learn um, they even get free you know morning tea and it's bits and pieces but and you get to meet other parents and you know that you're on the right track like you're not doing anything different and so yeah it's good but some families will not engage in early childhood education even if it is free and these hard-to-reach families are often the ones that need early childhood education the most. The government is targeting them with its Engaging Priority Families initiative, essentially paying groups in places ranging from the far north to Aranui and Christchurch to find reluctant families and encourage them to participate. It aims to enrol 1,000 children in early childhood education through the initiative over the course of about three years. We have uh, a team of three that are working in the Tamaki area and then we have a group of four that are working in the Manukau area and that's most of um, Manukau parts of Papatoitoi but doesn't include Otara. And then we have uh, two that are working in Manurewa as well which covers all of Manurewa right through to Rainwick Park. Viola Timoteo Etuata is the project manager for engaging priority families at Tuwila Consultancy. She expects the company will work with about 300 families over the term of its contract, but says encouraging those families to use early childhood education or ECE can be a slow process. 
couple of months to yeah, several months to actually really get some traction with the families because there's a lot of things that are actually going on in these families' lives that uh, kind of ECE is really down on the priority of their list of what they have to do for their children. So it does take a while and there are some times when we actually have to step away and, and that the family is actually not ready for this kind of program and maybe we can pick them up later on. So we do have to kind of make a call but it can take quite a bit of time and that's why um, this contract is quite good because we have been allowed that time to build that relationship with the families. It's not just kind of going in and you know moving away once they've participated. It's a whole kind of process involved. And the families actually grow from this as well. It's like a real development for the family as well as the child. And it's, it's really just the confidence that they can actually gain over the time that the coordinators worked with them. The coordinators approach families at community events and places such as libraries. But the director of Tuwila Consultancy, Rosemary Fitzpatrick, says some are targeted because they're known to have problems. They've been identified as priority families because they have a number of issues either in the family or part of their socioeconomic status that surrounds them or other kind of issues. And having those issues may mean that those families don't have ECE as a priority for their children. So part of the relationship building and the trust building that the coordinators develop with that family is also trying to understand what the real situation is, what options are available to them and what options they want to take because at the end of the day the ECE is the focus but also it's engaging the families to be involved in their children's education rather than just having that child attend a playgroup or a full daycare centre or whatever it is. It's really engaging those families to be involved in the children's education. It's an approach that seems at odds with the government's efforts in other areas, such as eligibility for benefits, where people are expected to take more responsibility for themselves. But, like the supported playgroups, it's developed from similar efforts trialled in the past five years. The other major strand to the government's efforts is the Targeted Assistance Programme, a fund of $15.5 million a year used to build new early childhood centres. Most of the money isn't new. It was previously available as the Discretionary Grants Fund. But where that fund was for non-profit groups in any part of the country, the Targeted Assistance Programme, or TAP fund, is restricted to the most needy areas and is open to privately owned centres. The first allocations from the fund were announced last year, with grants going to eight organisations to build enough space for 455 more children. Among the recipients is White Heron, an early childhood company owned by Jenny Hood, which is preparing to build a new centre in Otara. This is a section that, that I purchased about 12 months ago with the view to applying for government funding to put a, an early childhood centre on this, on this block. I went through the TAP fund, which is a targeted assistance for participation, because this, this particular site falls smack bang in the centre of one of the census area units that the government's identified as having a high need for more early childhood places. They haven't paid for the land. The land is actually my contribution on this project, but they are paying for the, for the cost of the full build. Let's just go over the reasons why the ministry or the government is interested in having an early childhood centre here and why they needed to subsidise it and help make it happen. I think the main reason is this is a low socioeconomic area with a lot of Māori and Pacifica families who have children at home who aren't attending services. So it's a way of putting centres 
right smack on their doorsteps because transportation to centres is a big barrier to participation. Is there much early childhood education uh, on offer around here already? There are, but they're fully booked up. So the centres around here all have waiting lists. How many children you'll be able to cater for here? The project was designed for 70, so we've put in, a, put in the tender for 70, but we're hoping to get 80. And in terms of the government funding, I mean, it's not, it's not economic for you to do it without that help? No, that's right, because the, the cost of building an early childhood centre for 70 or 80 children is a, is a big investment, and because the organisation that I'm with offer a very low-cost service to families, it's a budget service, it wouldn't actually be viable for us to invest the sort of money that's needed with the fee level that we're charging. But how well are the government's efforts working? The Ministry of Education's Northern Region Manager, Bruce Aden, says the early signs are encouraging. Because we think we're reaching, it's not just about numbers, we think we're actually reaching the families that if you'd gone into the area and issued a contract to somebody to build a centre and they'd built a nice shiny new centre, we don't think those people would have gone, well our experience shows, they, they would not have engaged with them. So yes, you'd had a nice new centre there and it would have had, probably had a lot of kids and they would have come from outside the area because we've had that happen a few times. But it wouldn't actually have addressed the learning needs of the families who live there who then go along to primary school when they're five years old and they turn up and the, and the principal and the teachers find that these kids have had little or no ECE experience and you've got that disadvantage. They've, they've already been saddled with that and they haven't even started their education. Other people in the education sector are similarly positive. But there's also a strong sense that in South Auckland, where the population is growing, the government needs to do more and to do it much faster. The general manager of the county's Manukau Kindergarten Association, Karen Shields, says the government's initiatives could be fine-tuned. I think the government's awareness has been heightened, but actually getting initiatives happening is still taking a very long time and I'd like to see them working more closely with community groups and areas and I'd like the decision making around how those initiatives happen that to be made up by community groups so that it happens faster. What sort of delays are there now? What sort of things are being delayed? The new targeted assistance for participation funding that's available to establish new playgroups and um, early childhood licence centres. It only happens once or twice a year. It takes up to six months to actually get the funding once you've put in a proposal. And I think there's a lot of short-term initiatives that could cost less than 200000 that if you had an advisory group and some criteria at a local level, if you've targeted an area as being one of the 5% of the lowest participation rates in New Zealand, surely those local community groups can start making decisions on how some of that money can be spent so that we can get initiatives much faster. The kitchen here that does food service for the centre, the centre um, is licensed for 125 children. Lunch is just coming Michelle out of the Pratt is the director of the Living and Learning Family Centres in Henderson and Mangari. She says the government could increase participation in early childhood education by clustering centres with other services that people in poor communities need. Sometimes it's not about just providing a service, it's about providing additional things that, that bring a family in. So they'll have a budgeting need, they'll have a counselling need, they'll have a wins need, they'll have a need for other things. There's a whole range of issues and things that a family needs in terms of support. Having models where families come into your service with the ability to use those services brings them into an early childhood service which they suddenly realise, oh, I could attend here, my child could come here, 
I could do this. It's often that they don't know. They don't understand. They don't know. They don't know the concepts behind you know, why early childhood education is important for children. But through the use of a doctor, through the use of a nurse, through the use of budgeting services, through the use of counselling services, they're then made aware that there are other services that are available within their community that, that they can use. Michelle Pratt also wants more of a focus on quality, warning that there's too much low-quality early childhood education in poor communities. And some people are dubious about the value of the supported playgroups. Regular participation in some of the groups is low, and they're not run by trained teachers. The principal of Manurewa East Primary School, Phil Palfrey, says children need qualified teachers. Children who are, who are sent to preschool, I think they should have a qualified teacher to be in front of them because it's just it's highly skilled at what needs to happen, especially preschool. So many of the public don't really understand that. I think they think that you can just throw anybody in front of kids and babysit them, but it's not like that at all. And if you're trying to get kids to be creative and excited by education, I think putting them with the wrong people is, or untrained people is not such a smart thing to do. But the director of Two Wheeler Consultancy, Rosemary Fitzpatrick, says the playgroups use the same early childhood curriculum, Te Fariki, as early childhood centres or kindergartens do. Our supported playgroups still use Te Fariki as the basis for the curriculum that we provide. Part of our contract is to provide professional development for that supported playgroup coordinator and so we provide training and PD for them so that the programme that they do provide meets the Te Fariki curriculum requirements and specifications. So no, they're not trained but they are in effect in training or do receive some training during the year as well as individual visits. Rosemary Fitzpatrick says the playgroups also build parent confidence and interest in education and they're definitely reaching children who would otherwise miss out. Last year we had 11 playgroups running and of those 11 playgroups we had nearly 300 children participating and of those 200, well, nearly 300, 284, 185 of those children had never participated in ECE prior to their enrolment or their involvement in these supported playgroups. So the playgroups have been really successful for those parents who are very wary of things that are organised by other people, things that are organised by government. <laughs> um, they can be very wary of how that will affect their children and their lives. So Supported Playgroup has been a good introduction for them where they can be present because Supported Playgroups are parent-led as opposed to full daycare centres that are teacher-led. All the Supported Playgroups are free, so it's, it's taking away another uh, hurdle or another perceived hurdle that those families might feel is stopping them from bringing their children to ECE. So it's a low-cost, very high-value option for the government and also for parents. At the City of Manukau Education Trust, Susan Warren is also positive about the playgroups. But she says the government could go even further. We would like to see more targeting of the funding that is happening now so that by targeting the funding to the families that need it most, more funding can be provided for them. So 20 hours ECE, great policy. There's some, a lot to be said for a policy that goes across everybody. However, the effect that's had is the families who were attending ECE already are just going for more hours, and that's reduced the places for everyone else. 
if we could just move away from that one-size-fits-all theory and have a targeted funding process where families in low decile areas, families in low participation areas get more support, then we wouldn't be actually filling centres up with middle-class families taking up more than the hours they really need and we would be able to provide enough funding for the families that really need it to be able to take up that whole space in the ECE, thus solving problem for the ECE as well. The Early Childhood Education Task Force, which was set up by the government to review the system and its funding, last year recommended that the government do exactly that by reducing subsidies paid to early childhood centres for children from well-off families and increasing subsidies for children from the most needy families. The government has provided no indication of what it will do, and many early childhood groups oppose the suggestion, saying the government should stick with the current 20-hour subsidy for all three- and four-year-olds. The chief executive of Kindergartens New Zealand, Claire Wells, says targeting subsidies will not of itself increase participation and could create a new group of children that will miss out on early childhood education. Obviously with targeting you would set a threshold about who would attract funding and who doesn't. It may well have some unintended consequences of meaning that for some families they would no longer be able to actually access an early childhood service because they would be required to pay more. Now. We need to sort of tease out the size of that group. I would suspect that there would be quite a significant number in that group. In the meantime, the Education Ministry's Bruce Aden cautions against expecting any quick fix, especially in South Auckland. This is going to go on for some years to come. We're not going to solve this problem in a short time. What we do need to remember is this is the area of greatest demographic growth in New Zealand. And if we don't tackle this, or even if we stand still, actually we're going backwards because the place is growing. So the need becomes greater. So I guess it would be not unreasonable to say the clock is ticking. And if you're successful in increasing rates of participation and participation in quality early childhood education, what's the payoff? It could make the biggest difference to the educational scenery in southwest Auckland that I can think of because the rate of success in the primary schooling and beyond would just lift incredibly. And then that pays off through to NCEA and through to tertiary and careers. So what we'd be doing is laying the foundation for success for a very significant number of young New Zealanders. And I think we just have to get on with it. While each year the number of children starting school without early childhood education is only a few thousand, the year-on-year -year impact of that number is significant. It means that right now there are tens of thousands of children in the school system whose performance may be suffering because they didn't get the academic, behavioural and social leg up that comes from a good quality early childhood education. That's a number the government wants to start reducing. The results of the current policies are yet to be seen and there are some who say the government will have to go further if any major change is to be achieved. I'm John Gerritsen and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or a tweet to rnz underscore insight. The programme was written and presented by me, John Gerritsen. It was produced by Philippa Tolley. Technical production was by William Saunders.